you hear these words of Jesus and put them into practice. You're like a wise person who builds a house on a rock. The rains fall, the floods come, the winds blow and beat against the house, but it doesn't fail because it is built on the rock. What kind of material goes into the construction of that house? Well, my name is Andrew, and I have a few suggestions and a few ideas. But before we get rolling, will you guys pray with me? Jesus, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight and helpful to those who hear them. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Uh, Theologian Jürgen Moltmann says, I am at home where people know me and where I find recognition without having to struggle for it. Home is where I find recognition without having to struggle for it. I'm the middle child in my family. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And we get along pretty well. I'm not sure we always got along super well. but um, And you could check with them on some of the information that I'm about to dispel or dispense. As a middle child in this family, I often found myself just trying to stay out of trouble. Um, I went outside and played a lot. I went over to neighbors, went over to my friends and neighbors' houses. I, again, just tried to kind of stay out of the way the best I could. Um, I'm not sure I was totally successful at that. Um, that was pictures from the 80s. That was not like last week, obviously. And so my sister Allison is the one on, let's see, how, how do you do this? She's the one with the big hair, is Allison. And Jennifer is the one with the short hair. They have dresses on. I do not have a dress on. So that's the identification markers. But as the middle kid, I kind of saw my role as just trying to stay out of trouble. And I did that fairly well at home. You can ask my parents about that. They probably would disagree to a certain extent. But at school, I was not the class clown, but I definitely liked to get attention. And I liked to do things to be recognized and noticed. And it was usually pretty innocent things. Like in kindergarten, first grade, we did these little plays, you know, when you're in elementary school, they did stuff. And one year, I volunteered to be the frog, and the frog went a courting. I don't know if any of you guys would even know that song, but uh, I'll sing it for you later. Um, I won't sing it for you. I'll sing song it, kind of like Johnny Cash might do. Um, and then I volunteered to be Peter Cottontail in the that that production of, uh, that we did in kindergarten. And so I think we all had like the little rabbit ears at that time, but I remember that I was the star of the show. And so when I was a little guy, I kind of liked recognition outside the house in positive ways. And then as I got older, I kind of enjoyed recognition even if it was kind of in more notorious ways. And I think we all crave those things. As you get older, you still want people to notice you. You still want people to, to recognize you for who you are. I've lived, I'm 52 years old, I have to keep in mind, it's 52, 50, that's right, I'm 52 years old and I have to, I've lived in 20 different places in my life. There's been places, and I was not a military kid, so we didn't travel around to bases or anything like that, and as a child, we moved two or three times. In college, I had different dorm rooms and situations, Carmen and I have probably had seven or eight different places that we've lived. All of those in those 20 have been at least a month or so or more. 
and then we've lived places for several years. But I find that the longer you stay in a place, the more you're known. And I know that to be true, but the thing that happens even for that two or three months I spent in Marion, Ohio back in college, or the month that we spent on um, living in a room with my former youth pastor, with Cole, my son, and my wife, those are places of residence for us. And in the midst of all those different places, there's this sense of permanence. And the permanence for me is because God was present with me in those moments. Home is, is where you're known. But how does that recognition and that worth and that acknowledgement come about? Do we do it by being goofy, by raising our hand and saying, I'll be the frog in a frog when in courting? Or does it come about in some different ways? We all want to be seen. And we all want that loving, that, we all want that love back. It's kind of like that song from Cheers. You want to go where everybody knows your name. And there's a safety in that. And there's a security in that. When people know you and they still love you in spite of the things that you may or may not do for or with them. Achieving that for other people, how do we give that to others? How do we give them that notice and that love and that respect? What if instead of pursuing recognition, of pursuing trying to get noticed or, or accumulate love and acceptance from others, what if instead we pursued something different? What if we chased after wisdom? If we chase wisdom, if we pursue wisdom, then I think we begin to get both. We get that love and that acceptance, that foundational thing that we've been striving for. And wisdom is that rudimentary element for a good life, an ideal home. That's the series that we're in the midst of. And this week we're talking about how home is personal to us. Next week we'll talk about how we fit into that family dynamic. And then we'll talk about the community and the church and the planet. But today I want us to focus on me and you. And for making a good life, for making a good home, an ideal home for one, of, for one another, for us, is that pursuit of wisdom. But what is wisdom? You know, we can receive wisdom, we can accumulate wisdom, but until we begin to dispense that wisdom and, and are able to articulate it for others, then it's just us getting stuff and, and keeping it for ourselves. It's not just being smart. Some of the smartest people I know make horrible choices, and those people are not wise. And it's not a, technolo- it's not a technology thing. If we can build it better and faster and make it more efficient, sometimes that's good, but it's not always the wisest thing just because you can do something. In the Bible, we have a whole book of what we call Proverbs. Other religions have Proverbs. Other people have written Proverbs. But in our biblical tradition, the Proverbs start with this kind of list of over and over again saying, get wisdom, pursue wisdom, find wisdom, accept wisdom, grab it. But what does that mean for us? if it's just some vague idea out there. In the Bible, the reason why we're to pursue wisdom is found in Proverbs 2. We're we're to pursue it because 
the Lord gives wisdom. From God's mouth comes knowledge and understanding. God stores up sound wisdom for the upright. And God is a shield to those who walk with integrity. So that's the reason why we pursue wisdom is because God, or, or, or where it comes from, is because God gives it. But how do we go about living as wise people? I think that's where we look to Jesus. Jesus shows what wisdom looks like. The Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of something I paraphrased a minute ago when I talked about the, the wise person building their house on a rock. He has this message, this sermon that he gives in Matthew's biography of Jesus, which is the first book in the, in the New Testament. And these five, six, and seven, the, these chapters are all this sermon about this wisdom that he dispenses. He shows us what wisdom looks like, not just in theory, but in practice. And that passage that I read a few minutes ago, he says, those of you who take my teachings and put them into practice are like wise people who built their house on a rock. And so that sermon gives us a good idea for how to begin to do some of these things. And there's lots of ideas on there. And I think if you just started tomorrow on one, you'd be well on your way. But wisdom takes this long view. And if we look at this passage closely, you'll see that Jesus isn't worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow takes care of itself, but he knows that tomorrow is a part of eternity. Wisdom persists in the midst of suffering. At the beginning of, those, of that book, it says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, all these people are blessed. And you turn it around and go, really? Blessed are those who mourn? Blessed are those who are poor. But because Jesus is wiser than we can understand, there's some truth in that. And it's counterintuitive to who we are and how we understand life. But that wisdom comes through. There's this discernment about what's proper in the moment. Instead of reacting, we take some time to reflect. And we respond appropriately as opposed to Doing the, I don't know if you guys are familiar with George Costanza from the Seinfeld series, but George would go through episodes in time. He's kind of their, he's kind of their neurotic guy. They're all a little bit neurotic, but George would say, "I'm going to do the opposite of everything I've done up to this point because everything he'd done up to this point has been a failure for him, and he just did it because that was what was intuitive. And so he started doing the opposite, and things started turning around for him." And that's what we find in the Sermon on the Mount. When we do kind of the opposite of our impulse, instead of lashing out when somebody says something horrible to us, instead of, instead of just receiving that and saying, okay, what's the best way to respond to this? How can I think about what made them want to do that? What did I have to do with this? Did I have anything to do with this? We could take the opposite tact because Jesus begins to teach us how to do these things. That sermon is chock full of that information. And so, Jesus, practicing the things that Jesus says, helps us decenter us from this request for recognition. It gives us an opportunity to notice other people, notice things about ourselves, and to love other people, and to accept them for who they are. You know, I think we've feel like we've heard all this before. Many of you have picked up a Bible. Many of you have studied a Bible. 
for much of your lives. Some of you are very unfamiliar with, with it. But we kind of think that we know it or we know what it's about without diving into it and allowing it to sink into our lives. So usually I don't do this, but today I'm giving an assignment out. Um, and I'm not going to like check your homework or get out my red pen or anything like that because I'm not an official teacher in that regard. But it's a starting point. If we look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and just let it sink in into our lives. Jesus is a much better teacher than I am. Jesus is much wiser than I am and much wiser than anybody in this room. And if that's offensive, then I'm, I, I'm not going to apologize for that. But if we'll look at this and take this as a starting point and allow that wisdom to accrue within our lives, then we can be the type of people God longs for us to be. And then there's other teachings that Jesus has throughout these Gospels that help us to see that that permanence of life is not a matter of where you live or stay. It's a matter of living that life with Jesus. He says in one place that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. But if we know anything about Jesus, Jesus was always comfortable wherever he was. He was always at home wherever he was because he was with God, with his Father. There's this sense of abiding that Jesus calls us to, to just dwell in him. In John's Gospel, it starts out with Jesus came the word came and it tabernacled with us. It dwelled with us. It, it set up shop here. It made itself, it's, he made himself a neighbor to us. He did all of those things so that we would know how to live a wise life. But instead, a lot of times we do the opposite, like George Costanza, and do the opposite of what Jesus would want us to do because we just kind of do our thing. We continue on. But there's these stories, and our home is made out of stories. All of us could tell stories about our childhood and about our upbringing. Some of them are good, and some of them are, 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 are bad and troublesome. But Jesus tells these stories to evoke in us this sense of what wisdom really is and where wisdom can be found. He talks about rest, and a home should be a place of rest. For us, in our home, when I'm at home... I could be myself. I don't walk around in my boxer shorts very much, but I could. I feel comfortable there. And that's where Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to be comfortable with him. And he wants us to be comfortable with each other. And those are the types of stories he tells, not about the boxer shorts. But there's this safety and there's, there's rest. We have a place, our homes, our personhood can be hospitable. Jesus loved to go to parties. He loved to eat with his friends. He was open to eating with just anybody who wanted to be a part of that life. And that's what hospitality is. It's being willing to share food and to come together like we're doing today. That's, that's in those gospels. And that's us living that out. That's us living out that received wisdom. And there's this, this sense of orientation and belonging. Jesus knew who he was and knew what he was about. And we see that throughout his teaching and throughout the activity of his life. 
and he set up a sense of belonging for others. So as we're oriented to Christ, as we're continuing to refocus and recenter on who Jesus is, then we'll have this sense of belonging and being known because we're known through Jesus Christ, this mediator of all the wisdom that's available. You know, we grasp at this stuff. We yearn for people to to know us the way we're really known. Some of us kind of mask over that and decide that we, we don't want people to really know the real us. But that's a, that's a trap. If we are to be the type of people Jesus calls us to be, we will take off those masks and allow others to know us. But in order to do that, we, to do that well, to do that in a place that's safe, we have to begin to receive this wisdom from Jesus Christ so that we can act wisely and treat others the way we want to be treated. That's in those Gospels too. You see, Jesus' wisdom, this received love that we, sorry, we want all of that, the recognition and the love, but we haven't learned to receive Christ's wisdom first. We tend to skip practice. And when we skip practice, we don't always play super well. We want to not practice, and we want our lives to play out beautifully. But if we don't practice this wisdom, we don't practice the things that Jesus taught us, our lives are not going to be as beautiful as they could possibly be. Jesus' teaching encourages us. His wisdom encourages us to, to abide and to dwell in him. And when we do that, we find our home. I'm going to have Dave come back up here, and we're going to begin to close out our time. I want us to just reflect a little bit. If you have a Bible app and you want to kind of look through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you can do that. But I do have a question for us to consider. You know, we all struggle with being recognized, with being known, with, being, with people with wanting to be known and wanting to know others. But what if instead of struggling in that way, we decide to drop that quest for recognition and instead pursue the wisdom of Jesus? That's what I want us to think about today. Do we just simply want to be noticed or do we want to know who Jesus is?